read a few pieces of scripture this morning. We're going to start with Ecclesiastes. If you don't know of the wisdom literature, Ecclesiastes can be referred to as the critic. And Ecclesiastes is an interesting read. And so we're going to begin in chapter 1 with verse 2 and then go to verses 12 through 14. This all comes from the lectionary. If you don't know what that is, meet me after. I'll, I'll show you after service. From Ecclesiastes 1. Perfectly pointless, says the teacher. Perfectly pointless. Everything is pointless. I am the teacher. I was king over Israel and Jerusalem. I applied my mind to investigate and to explore by wisdom all that happens under heaven. It's an unhappy obsession that God has given to human beings. When I observed all that happens under the sun, I realized that everything is pointless. A chasing after wind. And from the Gospel of Luke verse, or 12, verses 13 through 21. Someone from the crowd said to Jesus, Teacher, tell my brother to divide the inheritance with me. Jesus said to him, Man, who appointed me as judge or referee between you and your brother? Then Jesus said to them, Watch out. Guard yourself against all kinds of greed. After all, one's life isn't determined by one's possessions, even when someone is very wealthy. Then he told them a parable. A certain rich man's land produced a bountiful crop. He said to himself, What will I do? I have no place to store my harvest. Then he thought, Here's what I'll do. I'll tear down my barns and build bigger ones. That's where I'll store all my grain and goods. I'll say to myself, you have stored up plenty of goods enough for several years. Take it easy. Eat. Drink. Enjoy yourself. But God said to him, Fool, tonight you will die. Now who will get the things you have prepared for yourself? This is the way it will be for those who hoard things for themselves and aren't rich toward God. And from Colossians chapter 3, verses 1 through 11, Paul writes, Therefore, if you were raised with Christ, look for the things that are above where Christ is sitting at God's right hand. Think about the things above and not things on earth. You died and your life is hidden with Christ in God. When Christ, who is your life, is revealed... Then you also will be revealed with him in glory. So put to death the parts of your life that belong to the earth, such as sexual immorality, moral corruption, lust, evil desire, and greed, which is idolatry. The wrath of God is coming upon disobedient people because of these things. You used to live this way when you were alive to these things. But now set aside these things, such as anger, Rage, malice, slander, and obscene language. Don't lie to each other. Take off the old human nature with its practices and put on the new nature which is renewed in knowledge by conforming to the image of the one who created it. In this image, there is neither Greek nor Jew, circumcised nor uncircumcised, barbarian, Scythian, slave, nor free, but Christ is all things, 
and in all people. The word of God for the people of God. Thanks be to God. Let us pray together. Lord, I thank you for your word which meets us where we are. And sometimes we read and hear and we think, I'm not sure what that means. I thank you for your spirit that ever works to help us grow. And I ask your spirit to be allowed to grow at this time, to work through me in spite of me, and that we may hear you in spite of ourselves. Lord, work. Make us. Mold us. And Lord, may all that was said and heard, may it be done in a way that is pleasing and acceptable to you and you alone, for you are our rock and our redeemer. Amen. Amen. So we are in our final week of living as disciples, and I feel like the scripture of the Colossians piece is fairly straightforward. Uh, So we're going to walk through it piece by piece. Week one in our series, we talked about what does it mean to live as a disciple, and we have determined, according to Paul and Colossians, we set upon a firm foundation that is the hope of Jesus Christ, and we put our hope in no one else. If we build upon this kind of foundation, we're going to see our life built in a way that will sustain, that will have life. And then once we've built our life in this way, we have our eyes fixed on the vision of God, not our vision, but God's vision, as we slowly allow the vision of God to be revealed to us through the Spirit. We look to the day when God will make all things new, heaven and earth, one, all people on their knees and their tongues confessing Jesus Christ as Lord. It'll be a good day. Amen? We aren't there yet, but we live as if we are. And then we live out our lives in the meantime, pressing forward, ruled by God alone, ruled by the fullness of God, and the fullness of God was revealed through Jesus, and that fullness of God is love. And that fullness of God resides within us, and we live a life ruled by love. And today, we focus on the new self of above. So if, you, if you've been raised with Christ, Paul says, seek the things that are above where Christ is, seated at the right hand of God. That terminology, seated at the right hand, means that Jesus is in power. If we acknowledge that Jesus is in power, then we serve Jesus alone, and we set our sights only on what is above. I went to a bats game last night. Uh, anyone been to the Louisville bats game? It's fun. We had a good time, didn't we? We had a good time. Yeah. And before the game, there was one player out running sprints. No one else was, and it was hot. And I thought, that player is not content with simply being on the batch team as wonderful as they are. He wants to get and be a red. He wants to go from the minors to the major leagues, and he's acting today as if that's going to happen. And he's out running sprints when no one else is because he has set his mind on things above. And when Paul says to set Set our minds on things that are above, not things on earth. I picture this person already living as if the new is a reality now and working as if that is his reality. Another example of this, have you seen the commercial? Uh, you may know who Ricky Fowler is. He's a golfer, like a mullet. Uh, he has fantastic hair. Uh, there's a commercial where he's in his backyard sitting on a lawn chair and he's just staring. And then his neighbor comes rolling up in a, mowing the yard next door, and then it flashes to what Ricky's seeing. Ricky's on a golf course, and he's looking down the fairway, and there's a, the golf ball collector, 
uh, zooming along. Anyway, it zips back to Ricky on his porch, and the neighbor's like waving at Ricky, and Ricky's just not moving. And it flashes back, and Ricky's on that fairway. That's where his mind is. It comes back, and the neighbor's wife comes out and goes to wave to him, and the neighbor's like, no, Ricky's not there. Ricky's there, but he's not there, because Ricky has his mind set, and the word set is this constant focus. That's what it means out of the Greek, a constant focus. Constantly focus on the things that are above. Constantly. Just part of the time? You can, you can respond. Just part of the time? Just on Sunday mornings. Just when I feel like it. Just when I've had a full night's sleep and I'm, I'm happy. All right, we're getting the idea. When Christ Paul says, who is your life is revealed, then you will be revealed with him in glory. This is apocalyptic language. Uh, it's a kind of understanding of their world. When, when Jesus comes, it will be like the veil of heaven is pulled back, a revealing, a revelation, which is what the book's talking about, the revelation of, of the new reality. And we're seeing here that we have our life in Christ, but we don't know it all yet, do we? Or is it just me? Does anybody know it all? Do you know somebody that knows it all? You pointed Joyce. Joyce, you. <laughs> yeah, we, uh, we don't know it all. We're still growing. There's still things being revealed in our hearts. God knows it. It's a mystery hidden in God and Christ. We know we will know, but we don't know yet. Right? Amen. Yeah. Paul says, therefore, put to death, strong language, put to death whatever in you is earthly. And he gives this list. Let's walk through it. Fornication. Basically, if you're behaving sexually in a way that is not honoring a monogamous marital relationship, if you're chasing after simply pleasure, if you're objectifying another person outside of something that you're nurturing as a holy commitment, matrimony, that's fornication. And this just doesn't physical. This goes in lots of different ways, right? Um, I tried to watch the show Game of Thrones, and I'm not judging anyone that enjoys that show, but I couldn't do it. I tried. I tried just fast-forwarding through the scenes, the inappropriate scenes where no one's wearing any clothes, just to follow the story, because I hear all these people talking about how great it is, even a lot of Christian people, even people that are leaders. Uh, I hear them talking about how great this show is, and I just couldn't, I couldn't do it. I tried. And, and if you like the show, if you're able to do it, okay, but... If you watch it and find yourself letting your mind go somewhere else, this is fornication. This is impurity. This is feeding the parts of us that have passion. This is referring to the part of us that we let burn and begin to govern our decisions. And if we're governing our own decisions through lust, are we letting God govern our decisions? No. Evil desire and greed. In the Greek, this word greed which was referred to as idolatry, it's this understanding that things give us life. If I get this car, I will be more important. If I get this promotion, I will finally be of worth. If I have that house, if I have this stuff, and if I run out of room, what, I just knock the barns down and build bigger ones, right? Because we're seeking after more as if that gives us anything. We're making an idol out of our own status and out of things. Paul says, the wrath of God is coming on those who are disobedient, 
who chase after this stuff. It's not the way life works. If you've built your life on a poor foundation, it's going to fall. That's how it works. There are ways, Paul says, you also once followed when you were living that life, but now you must get rid of such things. Now, this isn't an exhaustive list. There is more. And this is where we pray to God and work for the revealing of knowledge in our hearts. So he goes on. Anger. In the Greek, this means emotional fixation on your displeasure. Being ruled by your disapproval. If you happen to see a bird fly over your head, it catches your attention. Can you help that? No. Can you help it if the bird builds a nest in your hair? Anger. We get angry. It happens. Do we let it build a nest in our hearts, in our hair? Wrath. It leads to wrath oftentimes. This understanding of wrath, I'll sum up as saying that we're the judge. We're going to be God's judgment on others, and it often looks like this. Maybe you've been on the other end. Maybe you've been the one pointing. Anybody? Just me? Okay. Wrath. Malice. Another word is wickedness. And when we find that word in Scripture, it's referring to people who say God's authority has nothing to do with me. A sinner is someone who knows and breaks the rules and, and has to go through repentance. A wicked person says, that has nothing to do with me anyway. God has nothing to do with me. I can do whatever I want. There's no need for repentance. That's wicked. Slander. The fourth word. The word in Greek is blasphemia, blaspheming, speech that denigrates or defames others, that reviles and disrespects. The other word for slander in Scripture is uh, diabolos, devil, very closely related. The devil is the slanderer, and we sometimes fall in that category. Number five, abusive language from your mouth, vulgar language. Number six, do not lie to one another, speaking falsehood. That's simple enough. You notice we have 10, 10 things Paul's given us here uh, in the Greek. So I'm going to talk about lying real quick because there's lying to ourselves, there's lying to each other, and there's this understanding of ignorance. Um, Ignorance is something we don't know. Are you ignorant of things right now? Yeah, there's things we don't know. There have been times when I was so sure of something and then I had a conversation or I had an experience or I went through learning someone else's story and suddenly it was like the veil was lifted. I saw things differently. I was ignorant no more, which means now that I have to decide if I'm going to act in this new knowledge or just try to forget it. And when I choose to try to forget it, I call that willed ignorance, chosen ignorance. So that looks like, let's say we want to engage in a a conversation and an argument. It happens in in governing board. We hear each other's perspectives. That is us trying to understand. Sometimes we engage in those arguments, but we don't want to hear the other person's perspective. Anybody? Husbands? Wives? Yeah. And that's a different kind of lying. We say we love somebody, We want to hear them. If you've ever studied the opposition, because it's good to study the opposition, people spend their life studying the opposition. But I ask you, do you actually involve people of the opposition in your studying, in conversation? Or do you just pull your own resources to study the opposition, which is often kind of biased? If you haven't pulled someone else in 
of the opposition to have a conversation, a conversation of given love and trying to lift veils of ignorance, I think you're choosing ignorance. Paul says, we have stripped off that old self. Seeing that you have stripped it off with its practices, seeing that you have closed, clothed yourself with the new self, it's being renewed in knowledge according to the image of its creator. The image of God is seen most fully in who? Jesus. The image, the fullness of God revealed in Jesus is also seen in us. Are we being conformed to this image, this image of love? Paul says, in that renewal, this is where it gets tricky, in that renewal, there's no longer Greek and Jew, no longer circumcised and uncircumcised, no longer barbarian, Scythian, free, or slave. It's as if all the old categories cease to be in the new reality that is set on things above. This is tough. This is tough. Paul even says, Christ is all, and Christ is in all. What would the world look like if the church operated by that, that alone? Christ is all and is in all. If we engage in conversation with the opposition, not to bolster our own arguments, but to see Christ in that person, in those people, that community, that way. Christ is in all. Does Paul say Christ is in just a little bit, only in a certain part of the world, only in a certain time and place? Christ is in all and in, in all. What would it look like if a third of the world, which proclaims to be Christian, a third of the world, all lived like that? Would it be a different place? Yeah, it would. Now, what do we do? We're the disciples here. What do we do? It can be easy to be overwhelmed, to look at everything going on, to hear about El Paso, to hear about Dayton, just in the last 24 hours, and think, where do I even begin? Well, a simple way that you can maybe step into this, three things. Do the next thing right. Don't worry about the next, next, next thing. Do the next thing right. Be on guard. Have your mind set on things above, and in the next situation, try to think it through ruled by love. What would that look like? Be proactive in your spiritual growth and maturity. Don't just sit back and, and put the veil on. Go and look and engage Christ who's already in all. Find Christ in that place that you don't understand. Christ is there. And three, there's this ancient understanding of a disciple behind a rabbi. And the saying is, you should have the dust of your rabbi all over you. The idea is, in Jesus' time, walking around in the dust, the disciples are so close to Jesus and what Jesus is doing that Jesus' dust that he's kicking up is covering them from head to toe because they're not following at a distance. They're following right in the action. They don't want to miss a thing. And we often talk about being covered in the blood of Jesus Christ. I want you to think of it the same kind of way. Are we so close to the work of Christ that we actually are covered in his blood too? Not just for the sake of our sins, but for the sake of life that is yet to be born in the world around us. Jesus charges us to baptize. The word in Greek, it means soak. Soak in the spirit. Are we soaked in the spirit or do we just dip our fingers in or 
our elbow, or maybe on our good days, most of our body, or are we soaked in the Spirit? The same kind of idea. Let us be covered in dust and blood. Let us be soaked in the Spirit. Whatever that means for you today, seize it and look to grow and trust that the Spirit will guide you. The next thing right, be proactive in your growth. Seek to be covered. Are you dead to the past and your old self? Only you can answer that. Are you alive to the heavenly future in Christ? Then let us go and live as disciples. Let us live doing the next thing right every time. Being proactive in our growth and seeing the world around us through the eyes of Christ. Seeing Christ in all and let us be covered in all that Christ has already done for us that we may do it for others. Amen? Amen.